Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's June 1st, 1974. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So this is the day that Henry Heimlich published his manoeuvre for rescuing choking victims in the journal Emergency Medicine. How does one go about publishing a manoeuvre? <laughs> <laughs> It's just a series of actions. Yeah, like, how do you annotate a ballet? If a person's choking in the forest with no one to see it, has it really happened? (laughs) Guys, guys, I think it's really important to say up front that if someone is choking in front of you, the first thing to do is to try and get them to cough it out. If they cannot Mm. cough it out, slap them on the back. Mm -hmm. If this does not dislodge what is choking them, only then can you proceed to the Heimlich manoeuvre. Well, some disagreement, and maybe we'll get back to this. But don't bring your conspiracies and fake news into this, Arian. <laughs> Rebecca's just done public service announcements. After a month of this show, we finally delivered some valuable information. Australians listening to this podcast do not ever do the Heimlich Manoeuvre because the Heimlich Manoeuvre in Australia has never been approved as a treatment for dealing with someone who's got something stuck in their windpipe. One of the few countries on Earth, and the reason is that according to our expert scientists, it just does not do what it claims to do on the tin. So yeah, it's a useful tool in your repertoire. I think we can all agree on that. (laughs) There's just obviously some debate from the medics, isn't there, about what should take priority. And Rebecca's right, in this country, the advice is always encourage cough first, then tap on the back. I I know this actually, because uh, my wife's been doing some remote first aid training at work and um, this seemed like an important part of the course, so she called me into the kitchen when she was running the video on her laptop. And my first thought was, like, the actors that are in this, they're really going above <laughs> and beyond. Like, the guy who was having the manoeuvre practised upon him actually spat out a crisp across the table in slow motion <laughs> nice. at the end of it. I was like, he turned up on set for 300 quid, did not know what he'd be doing that day. <laughs> but the second thing I thought was, oh... You don't go to the Heimlich manoeuvre first. That's not the advice. Mm. Whereas, yeah. like, the, the sitcom scene is someone's choking and everyone looks around saying, who knows the Heimlich manoeuvre, right? And that's exactly what it is. This is the example of a medical procedure that has also become a cultural touchstone. I, I can't think of anything else that's achieved this level of notoriety, like you say, in sitcoms, etc. And basically, the popularity of the Heimlich manoeuvre was based almost entirely on its inventor's showbiz connections. So Henry Heimlich was a thoracic surgeon. He served in the Second World War, and then basically he'd read something about how many choking deaths there were in restaurants. Uh, They were called cafe coronaries because people assumed that people were having heart attacks, but they were Ah. actually choking silently to death. That makes sense as to why the headline in the Journal of Emergency Medicine on this article that was published on this day was Pop Goes the Cafe Coronary. I thought that sounded like... 
quite an informal title for quite a significant development but now that makes sense if that's what people called it then <laughs> yeah exactly and he had already invented something he'd invented them um, it's called the heimlich valve a type of valve that's used especially in people who've had a collapsed lung he also invented the heimlich operation which is an esophagus operation that he oh god also- this is like yesterday all over again what else did he invent did he do peanut butter <laughs> I think he also experimented with where you could put yogurt. (laughs) (laughs) Yogurt from both ends, everybody. (laughs) So what happened was that he'd invented this manoeuvre. It got a bit of press coverage because about a week after this journal was published, somebody who had read coverage of it in the Seattle Times used it to save a neighbour from choking. And then what happened was in a strange turn of events, Dr. Heimlich had a cousin who was on Happy Days. I was not expecting those words to come out. (laughs) And so this cousin was being interviewed on the Merv Griffin show and he happened to mention that his Uncle Henry had come to see him and that he had invented this manoeuvre. And so basically Merv Griffin then discussed it on his show. It also helped that Dr. Heimlich's father-in-law was a variety show host as well. And he basically ended up on the Johnny Carson show in 1979. Yeah, now that's a clip that I've seen. Unlike Eva Gabor discovering Twister on The Tonight Show, (laughs) there is a clip on YouTube of Henry Heimlich with Johnny Carson administering the Heimlich manoeuvre on The Tonight Show. And I was just watching it and thinking, that's just kind of impressive. I didn't know it came from media contacts, but I thought that's impressive media management, isn't it? for any thoracic surgeon to get on The Tonight Show. You do also wonder who had to cancel for Heimlich <laughs> to ma- make the cut that night. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, no, we haven't got Harrison Ford, but we have got the guy that invented subdiaphragmatic pressure. <laughs> <laughs> it's true that Heimlich was incredibly charismatic and very, very media savvy, but he was also an insatiable egoist. He had this weird habit of lying and exaggerating about things, even things that he had actually done. Like when he invented the flutter valve, he said he was inspired by having a Chinese soldier die in his arms during the Second World War. A guy who was his assistant said that definitely never happened. Mm. And this sort of recurs throughout his life. He just had this habit of just lying about things. Well, yeah. And, and after the success of the Heimlich manoeuvre, when it gained popularity. It's so weird to talk about it like it's a record. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> after the success of his blockbuster <laughs> diaphragmatic move. Well, his difficult follow-up album was that he then tried to apply the Heimlich manoeuvre to all of these things that it really should definitely not be applied to, including cystic fibrosis, drowning and asthma. And he was like, yeah, yeah, you can use it for all of these things. And through further testing, they were like, actually, really not. There is some uncertainty about whether it works on uh, choking, but it looks like it may have some positive impact, but it definitely doesn't help a drowning person. I wonder if that's why Australia has never embraced the Heimlich manoeuvre. More swimmers than eaters. (laughs) Maybe. A lot of the questioning of Henry Heimlich's work, though, seems to originate from his own son. Have you seen this? I find this an absolutely fascinating dimension to the story. So he had a bunch of children, but one of them is Peter Heimlich, who seems to have grown up separated from his father or become alienated from him later in life. I'm choosing my words carefully because unlike Henry, Peter is still alive. But Peter has run a blog for a number of years alleging a, quote, wide-ranging, unseen 50-year history of fraud about his Mm. dad and calling him a medical fraud and a con artist. And the examples that he gives are partly the ones that you talk about, which are a matter of public Mm. record. You know, he said he'd used the Heimlich manoeuvre himself in in the 90s in an interview with the BBC, and then he said that he'd used it for the first time in 2016, as if that shows that he's Mm. a con man rather than a raconteur. Um, Mm. But some of it's really serious. I mean, he sort of alleges that his dad was injecting AIDS patients with malaria to essentially make a name for himself not because he really thought that might be a cure for them 
Yeah, the direct quote that he said was the only thing my father ever invented was his own mythology. And malariotherapy was this fascinating thing that Heimlich got messed up in, where he was saying that injections of malaria could be used to treat cancer, Lyme disease and HIV. But it was, again, hugely discredited not very long after it was proposed. And, but he kept sort of hawking it around for his entire life. Yeah, and once again, he called on his showbiz connections. He went around Hollywood touting this this obviously completely unproven theory. But because it was during the AIDS crisis, there were lots of celebrities who were willing to give money to something that, that could help treat HIV. People like Jack Nicholson, Bette Midler, Ron Howard, they were persuaded to part with thousands of dollars to further his research, which was actually quite horrible. Heimlich was far from the only person who believed in malaria therapy as a potential cure for these illnesses, but he was very shifty about how he went about his trials. For instance, he conducted them in Mexico using American subjects, obviously, to get around regulations in America. And then the most controversial one, he oversaw trials in China that were not conducted to um, appropriate standards. And the World Health Organization Commission actually cited that experiment as one of the medical atrocities of the modern era. But I'm a bit dubious that just because someone's motives are self-aggrandizing, that automatically means we need to dismiss them. I mean, he might have been interested in getting his name out there, but, you know, so are lots of us. Lots of us have egos. That doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. It provably has saved people's lives, hasn't it? And even this many years later, that even coming from Australia, I always thought that the Heimlich manoeuvre was the thing that you do. And even... This many years past that 2006 change of heart by the US emergency health organizations, I'd say that probably there are still a lot of people who think, I see someone choking, Heimlich is the first thing that I do. It's sort of, mm. by, by virtue of his success, he's built this thing that is almost too successful, you know. Well, he had an Emmy. If you're looking for something entertaining <laughs> to uh, divert your attention with after this, head on over to YouTube and search for Dr. Henry's Emergency Lessons for People. Uh, which was a children's animated TV series of public service information films on which he was the medical advisor in 1980, trading on his success. And uh, they're incredible. They're, there's, they're sort of in that 19, late 1970s animated style. They look a bit like the Aristocats. And essentially, they're only like two and a half minutes long, and the setup is always, first 30 seconds, let's introduce you kids to like a fun group of characters, and 30 seconds in, like the beginning of Casualty, someone injures themselves <laughs> horrifically. Someone like drops That's a birthday terrifying. cake onto their arm and gets second degree burns. <laughs> and then Dr. Henry, who's the medical professional who I presume is based on uh, Dr. Heimlich, comes in and tells you, now kids, if this happens... First administer this, then do that, be patient, and then there's a song. I mean, it's, it's quite it's strangely compelling viewing, I'd recommend. <laughs> Tomorrow. The Guinness World Record for the most number of red cards handed out is 36 in the space of a game. There's not even 36 players on the pitch. Love the show? Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.